There you go. Turn with me to the book of First Timothy, please. First Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 15. Thanks again, Pastor Brad, for allowing us to be here today. And you're right, we don't get many opportunities to preach in December. I guess I should have preached a Christmas message today, but ah, I like to preach Christmas sermons. That's one of my favorite things to do, but we've got something else for you today. I felt like this is what the Lord would have us share. Are you there? First Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying. Everybody say faithful. faithful. And worthy of all acceptation. Everybody say worthy. worthy. This saying is faithful and it's worthy. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that great? Isn't that one of the best sentences in this book? Isn't that one of the best things that was ever written? That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners? And then Paul capped it off by saying, of whom I am chief. I want to preach to you this morning on a very simple subject. Jesus saves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for bringing us to Woodward. We thank you for a safe trip. We thank you, Lord, for this great church. It's been a lighthouse in this town for many years. I thank you for these good people that have gathered together. I thank you for these new people joining up with this church today. Lord, I thank you for everyone here, the faithful ones that's been here for decades. I ask you to bless every single person. I pray that you'd speak to every heart today and change every life. Do a work among us in Jesus' name and for his glory. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love that text. Uh, again, I think it's one of the greatest things in the whole Bible. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Did you know Jesus saves? Yeah. I said, did you know Jesus saves? Yeah. Jimmy Groves is a friend of mine. He lives up in Missouri. Jimmy was a worship leader. He's retired mostly now. He still plays guitar and sings with the worship team in the church that he attends. But Jimmy wasn't always serving the Lord. He, he was raised in a pastor's home. His, his dad was a pastor in several little churches in Kentucky. But like so many young people, when Jimmy uh, grew older, he turned away from the Lord and turned his back on God and went out into sin and was living a life of sin. He was living in Lexington, Kentucky. He was what we call a backslider. And there was a good pastor there in Lexington. His name was Brother Snyder. And Brother Snyder knew that Jimmy was a backslider and he was on his case. He'd come and visit with him, invite him to church, try to help him, try to get him in church. And one Sunday morning, Jimmy came to church. And while they were singing in the, in the singing, and that day we called it the song service, while they were singing, Jimmy got up and walked out, took his kids and went home, said he'd got under conviction, he couldn't stay, he just walked out. Well, I said Brother Snyder was a good pastor, so that afternoon, Brother Snyder was knocking on Jimmy's door. Jimmy, what's wrong? I saw you was at church this morning, I was so glad to see you, but I saw you left before the service was over, are you okay? And Jimmy said, okay, I'm okay, and you know, humbug, make apologies, all that stuff, and and then Brother Snyder said, well, Jim, we're starting revival tonight. I'd really like for you to come tonight. We'd, we'd really love to have you there. We're having a revival. We're having evangelists. Brother Godwin is coming all the way from Tennessee, and, and we'd love for you to come. And Jimmy tried to get out of it, but he couldn't talk his way out of it, and he finally committed to the pastor that he'd come on Sunday night. And Jimmy did go to that little church on Sunday night, and Brother Godwin, the evangelist, was there, and he preached. And when he preached, he gave an altar call, and Jimmy Groves was under such conviction he couldn't stand it. He got up from his seat and went down to the altar and got saved. How many 
of you had heard that before? He got saved. It is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. Jimmy Groves got saved. He went up after the service. He wanted to shake hands with the evangelist. He went up to Brother Godwin to shake his hand. He said, hello, my name is Jimmy Groves. And the evangelist looked at him and said, your name is Jimmy Groves? And he said, yeah, that's me. I'm Jimmy Groves. He said, well, I was driving up this morning from Ripley, Tennessee on my way to this revival. And I I didn't want to miss service, so I stopped at a little Assembly of God church in Princeton, Kentucky, and went to church this morning. After the service, I introduced myself to the pastor and told him I was going to Lexington to hold a revival. And the pastor looked at me and said, I've got a son that lives in Lexington. His name is Jimmy, and Jimmy's backslidden away from God. Could we pray right now that God would save my boy? And they stood on the platform of that church, and they prayed for Jimmy Groves to get saved. And that Sunday night, the Holy Ghost conviction was so great Jimmy couldn't resist it Jimmy got saved Jesus saves Jesus saves Charles Ogden dear friend of mine in heaven one of the greatest evangelists I ever knew Charles Ogden was 12 years old they lived over by Muldrow Oklahoma they're on the other side of this great state Living in Muldrow, he's 12 years old. He had never been to church. His parents were, were not anything. They weren't Baptist, Methodists. They were nothing. And Charles sitting out on, under a tree. His parents and grandparents sitting on a porch. Some of y'all old enough to remember when we used to sit on the porch because it's too hot to sit inside in the summertime. And they sat out on the porch talking, and they got to talking about a brush arbor revival. And Charles didn't know what that was. What in the world was a Brush Arbor Revival? He was thinking about that, what they were talking about. And while he was thinking about that, this 12-year-old boy, God spoke to him out of the blue and said, Charles, I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a preacher. Can you imagine? He's never even been to church. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to be a preacher. Well, he's 12 years old. He's just a kid. You know, he forgets all about that. Time passes by. And Charles isn't thinking about what God spoke to him. He's growing up. And, and he's 16 years old, going to high school in Gans, Oklahoma. And Charles went up to the water fountain and got a drink. And when he bent over, a voice spoke to him and said, Charles, you need to get saved. And Charles looked around to see who was talking to him, and nobody was there. Wasn't anybody there. And he thought, maybe God's speaking to me. I need to get saved. Well, Charles didn't know any better. He, he thought the only way you could get saved was to go to church. So he wanted to go to church that night and get saved. Absolute true story. He left the high school on his way walking home, and he stopped at the very first house he came to, and he knocked on the door and said, do y'all know anybody having church tonight? And they said, no, little old town, everybody knows everybody. No, Charles, we, we don't know anybody having church tonight. He knocked on the next door. Do y'all know anybody having church tonight? Went right down the road, every house. Do y'all know anybody having church tonight? Everybody said, no, Charles, we don't know anybody having church. He's wanting to get saved and nobody's having church. They kept going down the road. He finally come to the very last house. Knocked on the door. Lady came to the door, opened the screen, and said, What do you need, Charles? And she said, Do you know anybody having church tonight? And he, she said, No, no, Charles, I don't. It was the last house. He was disappointed, thinking he wanted to get saved, but nobody's having church. Then he's out in the yard leaving, and the woman opened that screen door and said, Wait a minute, Charles. 
I did hear that the holiness people were having a brush arbor revival out in the country. And when Charles heard that word brush arbor, that reminded him of what he had heard when he was 12 years old when God told him he was going to preach. And he thought of a brush arbor. And she said, but Charles, that was a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it's still going on or not. Well, Charles got home that afternoon. He got his sister to help him. They did all the chores and he cooked supper. When his mom and dad got home, there was supper on the table. They knew something was up. And he had cleaned the house and put the supper on the table. And his dad said, Charles, what do you want? He said, I want to go to church tonight. His dad said, Charles, we don't ever go to church. He said, yeah, but they're having a brush arbor revival. He didn't dare tell his daddy it might be over. He wouldn't take him. He said, they're having a brush arbor revival, and I want to go. So they loaded up the car with the kids, and they went down to the place where the brush arbor revival was. And sure enough, they was having service. And they pulled up in their car and rode down the windows to listen. And they started singing, and they sang, and they sang, and they sang. How many of y'all remember the good old days? And they sang. We'd sing a hymn, and it'd have five verses. We'd sing all five verses, and then we'd get stuck on the chorus, and we'd sing that until somebody got happy, and then we'd go on, sing the next one five times, and, and sing the chorus. They sang and sang and sang and sang, and he didn't think they was ever going to quit. They finally quit singing, started testifying. Everybody in the place wanted to testify, and some of them testified, and some of them preached, and they went on and on, and his dad said, Charles, we got to go home. He said, no, Dad, we got to stay here. And uh, he'd, he'd gone down sitting under the brush harbor. That's all in the car. He's, he said, I, I'm not ready to go home yet, Daddy. And, and they kept testifying. And the preacher got up to start preaching. He preached and preached and preached. And, and his daddy come back down again and said, Charles, we got to work tomorrow. We got to get up in the morning. We're going to go home. And he said, Daddy, you go home if you need to, but I'm not leaving until this is over. And they kept preaching and kept preaching. And finally, at the end of that long, long meeting, the preacher gave an altar call and asked if anybody wanted to get saved. And that's what Charles came for. He couldn't wait to get down to the altar. And Charles got saved. Everybody say saved. Jesus saves. Charles got saved. He, he went to home after that service and his mom and dad getting ready for bed and his daddy sitting on the side of the bed taking his shoes off and Charles is standing in the bedroom door and his daddy looked at him and he said, Charles, what you want? And he said, Daddy, we can't go to bed. We hadn't prayed. Now listen to me, they had never one time prayed a nighttime prayer at the Ogden house, but Charles got saved, and he said, we can't go to bed until we pray. So they all got down on their knees, the whole family, and they prayed that night, and they never missed another night of praying at the Ogden house. They got up the next morning, and Daddy had cooked breakfast, and breakfast was on the table, and Charles sitting there staring at his breakfast. And his daddy said, Charles, aren't you hungry? He said, yeah, Daddy, I'm hungry, but we can't eat. We can't eat because we hadn't prayed yet. They'd never prayed over their food at the Ogden house, but Charles said, we hadn't prayed yet. Why? Because he got saved. Because he got saved. They prayed, oh, his daddy looked at him and said, okay, preacher, go ahead and pray. And Charles prayed that prayer, and they prayed for their meal, every single meal they ate in that house for the rest of their lives. Charles' family got saved. His mom and dad got saved. His two brothers got saved. Both of them became preachers of the gospel. Their names are, are Jerry and Tom. I would have said it was Tom and Jerry, but you'd laugh if I said that. Their name was Jerry and Tom, and Tom's in heaven, and Charles is in heaven, and Jerry's still preaching the gospel. That family was changed because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Hallelujah. 
Some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I've got good news for you. He came to save you. He came to save sinners. Oh, thank God for the wonderful grace of God. It is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ to save, came to save sinners. I went to the Soviet Union a long time ago, back before the walls fell down. We hoped we could meet with the underground church. They were afraid of us, and we were afraid of them. And I don't have time to tell you all the story, but I was there with a guy named Jim. And Jim was a young guy that preached on college campuses. Now, you want to have a tough ministry, that's a tough ministry. He'd stand out like he was a street preacher, literally a street preacher, and he'd stand out on college campuses and preach the gospel. I mean, they throwed stuff at him and cussed him and flashed him and everything you can imagine. But Jim didn't care because he was saved. He wasn't always saved. Jim was a drug addict. He was doing drugs and high and back slid away from God. He went to a concert and Van Halen was singing. Some of y'all older know who Van Halen is. Van Halen was singing. And, it, and Jim said that the venue was so full of marijuana smoke you'd get high just breathing the air. And Eddie Van Halen stood on the stage that night and made this bold statement, audacious statement. He said, not even Jesus Christ could save your soul in a Van Halen concert. That's what he said. Not even Jesus Christ could save your soul in a Van Halen concert. He had no more said that than the power of the Holy Ghost cut through all that marijuana smoke and like a light from heaven shine down on Brother Jim. And Jim was convicted of his sins right there in that arena with Van Halen on the stage and asked Jesus to come into his heart. <laughs> come into his heart and save him from sin because it don't matter who you are or where you are or what you've done. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Yeah. Hallelujah. I had an uncle named Andrew. Andrew was married to my Aunt Rosie. Rosie was my grandfather's sister. Aunt Rosie had been married five or six times. I'm not sure how many. She was like Elizabeth Taylor. She said, I ain't going to keep you long. Wish more preachers were like that. You know, there's a very thin line between a hostage situation and a long-winded preacher. <laughs> but Aunt Rosie's married to Uncle Andrew. He's, he's a good fella. He worked. He was a butcher. One of the local grocery stores. He got old and he was dying. And My dad went to see him in the hospital. My dad was a good man. He wasn't a preacher, but he's a deacon, good man. And Daddy said, to Andrew, you know, you, you need to get right with God. He knew he was dying. And Andrew said, but Marvin, I don't know how to pray. A lot of people like that in the world said, I don't know how to pray. And my dad said, well, Andrew, all you got to do is talk to God just like you're talking to me. He'll hear you. He'll hear you when you pray. And that old fellow didn't know anything else to say. But he closed his eyes and he said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's the last thing he said. Closed his eyes, he fell asleep, went into a coma, and went into eternity. 
I believe when I get to heaven, Andrew's going to be there because Jesus saves. Amen. I said, Jesus saves. You don't have to go to a church. You don't have to go to an altar, wherever you are. If you're watching this online today and you're lost or backslidden, I want you to know Jesus saves. Right now, right there where you are, Jesus saves. Andrew got saved. Thank God he got saved. Lynn and I have a friend in Houston, Charles Maskeyer. Charles has his doctorate in psychology. He was, a, he was on faculty at the University of Texas at Austin. Hey, who won that ball game this year? Just checking. He was at the University of Texas and, and worked in Houston. He's a brilliant man. Well, Charles heard about Billy Graham coming to New York City. I don't know if you know Billy Graham's story, but he was kind of an unknown fella, and he was holding a revival in a tent revival in Los Angeles. And that tent revival grew and had a, a great response. But William Randolph Hearst, the, the famous publisher, heard Billy Graham and told all of his newspapers, Puff Graham. That's a telegram he sent to him, Puff Graham. And they started puffing Billy Graham, lifting him up. He became world famous. And the second meeting after Los Angeles was at Madison Square Garden in New York. And Charles heard about it and he wanted to go. He didn't want to go hear a preacher. He was studying psychology and he wanted to see what it was that caused those people to respond and come to the front when Billy Graham preached. He thought that was an odd thing. It was some kind of mass hysteria, you know, and he's a psychologist major and he went to Billy Graham's meeting and he sat at the very top of the arena as high as you can go and he said the first day he was under such conviction that he couldn't hardly stand in, stay in his seat he had on the pole to hang, hang on to he went back a few times and then he took his girlfriend with him Connie she's his wife now and, and Connie was Presbyterian preacher's daughter but when Billy Graham preached and gave the altar call Connie jumped up headed to the front to get saved and Charles is sitting there by himself and he's thinking like this. If I felt what I felt on that first night, I think I'd go down there. But he wasn't feeling it. And then all of a sudden, there comes that wave of conviction. <laughs> Did I tell you, it's a faithful saying and worthy of acceptation. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Amen. And Charles felt that mighty love of God flow over him and he stood up and when he stood up, he realized the altar call was over. He had missed it. Billy Graham was done. Everybody that was down was down. Nobody was moving in the, in the stands. And Billy Graham, world famous evangelist, looked up there to the top of that place and said, you right up there, we've got time for you. We'll wait on you. Come on down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And Charles went to that altar, went to the front of that place and got saved. And he's still saved today by the grace of God because Christ Jesus came to save sinners. <laughs> I knew a fellow named Maurice Hart. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Maurice Hart. He's an evangelist and pastor. He pastored in Omaha. Had brothers that were also evangelists. Maurice Hart had this thing about him. I don't know if you call it a quirk or what it was, but he, he loved to say, great God Almighty. Now, I know that's three words to you, great God Almighty, but to him it was one word, great God Almighty. And somebody get to singing like that worship team was singing this morning, and, and Maury's heart jump out of his seat and say, great God Almighty. Don't look at me like that. wouldn't hurt some of y'all to do that. 
Somebody be preaching, or he'd even be preaching. He'd get happy, and he'd say, mm, great God Almighty. So I like that this morning, great God Almighty. Well, I'll tell you why he did that. Maury's heart was the driver for a gang, a gang of robbers and thieves, bank robbers. And they stopped on Lancaster Street in Dallas, Texas at a tent revival. They sat in the car and sat out on the fenders of the car and listened to the preaching. And when it came to the invitation, Maury's heart, he was the driver for that gang, just a kid. Maury's heart got up, went down to the altar and got saved. He went on to preach, as I say, revivals and pastor in Omaha. That gang went on over into Texas, Missouri, Louisiana, ended up dying in a hell of bullets, Bonnie and Clyde, for the gang he traveled with. They died and went to hell, and he died and went to heaven because Jesus saves. I said, because Jesus saves. Is it, is it any wonder that he stood up and shouted, great God Almighty, because he is a great God, and it is mighty. Thank God today, Jesus saves. Jesus says, we started with Paul, and I'll end with Paul. We weren't introduced to him as Paul the Apostle. We were introduced to him in the Bible as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was as religious as a man could get. He had learned, sat at the feet, and learned from the greatest teacher of that day. He was the top of his game. When Jesus came, as you know, the religious people had him crucified. I'm sure that Saul of Tarsus was in on that. And then there came the church, the budding of the church, and the first martyr of the church, Stephen, was preaching the gospel. And you know the story of how they stoned him to death. And Saul of Tarsus stood there and held their clothes while they stoned that man to death participating in the death of a believer. And then he got a note from the high priest that he could go up to the city of Damascus and he could imprison Christians in Damascus. Anybody he could find that was a Christian, he'd put them in jail. They'd be abused. They'd be killed, some of them. I'm talking about you now, Christians. Any Christian he could find, he's going on a mission to put them in jail, put them in bonds. But before he got to Damascus, there was a light, the Bible said. It shined out of heaven, brighter than the noonday sun. Those lights would blind me if I stared at them long enough, but it was brighter than the noonday sun. And it knocked him to his back. And a voice cried out of heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? He didn't know. Everything he'd done, he'd done ignorantly. He didn't know. Who are you? And the voice said, I'm Jesus, whom you've been persecuting. And at that very moment, Paul looked, reached out to God with faith in his heart because he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And Saul of Tarsus got saved. Yes. Saved. And became the greatest apostle of the Christian church. That's why he said, that's why he put a tag on the end of that verse that said, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. You see, 
He persecuted you. He persecuted believers. He put believers in prison. What did you do? I don't know. Some of you have done some bad things. Some of you have done things you're ashamed of. You wouldn't even want to talk about this morning. I don't know what you've done, but I'm telling you, there's nothing you've done that was worse than what Paul did. And he said, I'm the worst, but the saying is still faithful. And the saying is still worthy. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis the Lord's command. Jesus saves. Can you say it with me? Jesus saves. <laughs> Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus saves. Father, thank you today. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to die to take our sins away. Thank you, Lord, that you came to save us from sin. Thank you that we've been washed in your blood and cleansed. Lord, for anyone in this room, anyone listen by web, I pray, Lord, you'll speak to their hearts. Anyone that doesn't know you, anyone that's walked away from you, Lord, I ask you to save the lost today. In Jesus' name, amen. Your heads are bowed, please, across the room. Nobody's looking around for just a minute. I've preached to you this morning to Simplest way I know how to preach it, that Jesus saves. I know most of you are saved. I know most of you are here because you've been saved, some of you, for a long time. But I'm talking to the one right now that's not saved. If you are saved, I hope you're praying right now and whispering to God. But if you're not saved, I want to tell you Jesus loves you. I said before, I don't know what you've done. It really doesn't matter to me what you've done. You haven't done what Paul did. You've never been part of killing Christians. You, you may have done something wrong, but you're not that wrong. Jesus' blood can cover your sins today. Jesus' blood can wash your sins away. Jesus' blood can give you a place in heaven. Without him, you're going to die lost. Everybody dies. It's a horrible thing to die lost. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor... I need Jesus to save me today. I'm not saved. There's sin in my life. Maybe you're a backslider, but there's sin in your life, and you know you're doing things Jesus wouldn't do, and you want to get saved this morning. Lift your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Across this room, I'm looking. Anybody, lift your hand.